What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the sixth episode of the Nothing But Sports podcast. I'm Rahel Jaswell. No guest this week, but today we're going to talk some NBA basketball and the predictions and my thoughts about the upcoming well, week two of the NFL season, which continues on Sunday. So let's start it out with some NBA talk. So it was announced yesterday that Giannis Antetokounmpo won his second straight MVP award and Defensive Player of the Year being the first player to do it since Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan. Now, a lot of people are, the votes were pretty much a landslide. There's a lot of people saying that LeBron James should have won it. And I, for one, agreed with the decision that Giannis should have won it. Giannis was the better player in the regular season. Now, remember, just because Giannis got eliminated in the second round, that's postseason basketball. Remember, the MVP is a regular season award, and we're not also counting the bubble. So people have to take into account that it's a regular season award. And Giannis was simply the best player in the regular season. Remember, LeBron didn't lead the Lakers in points. Anthony Davis did. He led the league in assists, but Giannis averaged more points. And so for that, and he, I think he was more important to the Milwaukee Bucks' success. Because if you take LeBron James off the Lakers roster, obviously they're not going to do as well. But they have another top five player in the world in Anthony Davis. If you take Giannis off that Milwaukee Bucks roster, their second best player is an all-star in Chris Middleton, but he's nowhere near the caliber of Anthony Davis. So he has really elevated the Bucks team. The Bucks, the Bucks whole team and whole offense really revolves around Giannis. He is maybe the mo- he's the most important piece to the Milwaukee Bucks. While the Lakers have the more freedom with Anthony Davis and other great players to make the offense more diverse and stuff like that. So for that reason, I think Giannis is just simply more vital to his team's success, and he also took him to the best record in the NBA. I know it's in the weaker Eastern Conference, but it's still still the best best record in the NBA. I think they split the two regular season meetings. I do think LeBron is the better player overall, but this season, Giannis deserved the MVP award. And um, so for that reason, I'll go with Giannis winning the MVP. I think it was the right decision. Congratulations to him. I don't know if he sticks with Milwaukee. We'll see what that means in the future. But for those people saying LeBron was robbed, I really think that this was this was the right decision. I feel like LeBron's was a little bit somewhat a little overhyped by the media because they got caught in that he was doing it at age 35. That was the main narrative behind him. If you think about all the arguments, they were talking about how he was age 35 and he was doing this. That's that was almost their main argument. The media and I think they they shined a spotlight on that so much, but Giannis can't control that. I mean, you can make the argument, hey, Giannis was dominating the regular season, and he still didn't have a consistent jump shot. He's gotten better. He's gotten better from last year, even when he won the MVP award. So you can you can look at it from that perspective. Also, he play, he was a lot better of a defender this year than LeBron. He was the best defensive player in the league last year. He won. I mean, this year he won DPOY. So I don't know why people aren't talking about that. Because, but I think the media had a role to play, and maybe people think it. And maybe and maybe people thinking that this was closer than it actually was by creating the narrative that again LeBron is age 35, 17th season, still doing this after he got injured. When people don't realize that he had another top five player in the league, Anthony Davis. Also, the Clippers who choked their 3-1 lead. Also, for many games this season, we're missing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and we're constantly never consistently healthy. So. When so and they and also LeBron, keep in mind, lost to him two of three times. He was two of three times in the regular season. So for that, so all in all, they got it right. Giannis deserved the MVP award. Now, let's speaking of LeBron, let's talk Lakers Nuggets last night. So 
The Lakers defeated the Denver Nuggets 126-114 last night in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Anthony Davis led the way with 37 points and 10 rebounds. LeBron had 12 assists. And do I think the Nuggets can win this series? Uh, no. Yeah, no. I know it's been a Cinderella story. They came back from 3-1 against Utah, did it against the Clippers. They're not going to do it against the Lakers. Um, that, that's simply not going to happen. I'm sorry, but this series will be over in five games, I think. Um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are... LeBron James is clearly motivated from not getting the MVP award. And Anthony Davis is continuing to show that he can do it in the big pressure. He can play at a high level in the big pressure moments. They've gotten consistently better throughout the bubble and throughout the playoffs ever since that first series. Their shooting has been a lot better. Um, Caruso, guys like Caruso, Caldwell Pope, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma have all stepped up their shooting in big ways to give LeBron and AD some help. Remember, that was the big problem in that series versus Portland where they lost game one is that they couldn't shoot the three ball, but they're definitely improving in that aspect. Rajon Rondo has made a huge, huge impact on this team ever since coming back from the injury. Um, you could argue that now they have a big three with him there. And, uh, you know, he, he's basically another coach. So the Lakers essentially have three coaches. They have Frank Vogel, LeBron James, and Rajon Rondo. Those two, uh, those two players, their IQ is just off the charts. I mean, their passing ability is incredible. You saw how Rondo was darting up players last night. It was unbelievable. They have two seven-footers who can somewhat hang with Jokic. Anthony Davis will probably be guarding Jokic for the whole remainder of the series. And um, that, was the bi- that was the big problem the Clippers had. They, couldn't ha- they didn't have anyone big enough to match up with Jokic. You couldn't put Montrez Harrell on him just because even though he's strong, he just didn't have the size on him. You couldn't put Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit. Zubats was not quick enough on his feet, quick enough with the footwork to guard him. They just couldn't have—Jokic just- just didn't match up well for them if you look at it that way. Now, however, the Lakers have three seven-footers. They have three seven-footers if you consider Anthony Davis a seven-footer. I think he's 6'11", but still— Anthony Davis can easily match up with Nikola Jokic. has the has a defensive ability have the, has the defensive play to limit him in the series, not completely shut him down, but limit him. And Jamal Murray, ever since that first series in Utah, has kind of come back to earth. He's still playing extremely well, but he hasn't been as hot as of late. Um, the Nuggets sometimes Nuggets, even though they can light it up from three, really go through a lot of cold spurts. So for that reason, I think the Lakers will win this series in five. Jokic is not going to be as dominant as he was against the Clippers. And also, the Lakers are just not going to blow the, the leads that the Clippers do. I mean, there's no way the Lakers are going to blow a bunch of 15-point leads. That's simply just not going to happen. Um, the Lakers, the, the LeBron is not going to let that happen. LeBron is charged up and motivated, and is probably the favorite, and they're probably the favorites right now to get that championship. So... This will be a gentleman's sweep. I think Nuggets can win maybe game two or three, but Lakers lock in, and I think they book their place in the NBA Finals after five games. Hell of a run for the Nuggets, but it comes to an end this series. Now, in other basketball news, the Miami Heat will play the Boston Celtics tonight, game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami is up two games to nothing on the favorited Boston Celtics after Boston let a 17-point lead slip away from them in the in Game 2 in the second half, and also let a double-digit lead in Game 1 slip away. So, this is Boston season. Boston. The Boston Celtics season is is make, is made or bre- is make or break tonight. Tonight is the game if we find out. If they lose this game tonight and they go down 3-0, their season is done. They will lose this series in five or six games if... But if they can come back and win Game 3 tonight 
then they're back in this series. You can make the argument that they were the better team throughout basically the first three quarters from game in games one and two. Uh, Boston, uh, Miami actually probably stole game one at the end with some incredible defense from Bam Adebayo. And second game, I don't know how Miami got back into it. They just did, and Jimmy Butler made... And remember, Boston had that four-point lead, got the basketball. They were cruising. They were on that big run. You thought that they were going to pull away and even this series, and all of a sudden, here comes Jimmy Butler with two key defensive plays. And next thing you know, with their three-point shooting, they win the game. Jalen Brown misses a open look from three, and Miami wins that one. But the Boston Celtics, their season is tonight. This is make or break for them. I know there was stuff after in the locker room where Smart was yelling and throwing stuff. A lot of Boston players tried to shut that down, but I prob- I think it did happen. Um, I think it, 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 could, it could help them in some way. Um, I think it'll motivate them. Some teams thrive under these uh, friction environments, um, so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it was a good. I think it's a good thing for them. I know Brad Stevens had a meeting with them, so we're going to see what coaching adjustments he makes and how he is going to match up his offense against that zone defense of Miami because that zone defense has been great as of late for Miami. I know, but the one thing is they're vulnerable to offensive rebounds. So if they play that, if they continue to play that zone, Boston's going to be able to grizzly and grab a lot of offensive rebounds, get a lot of second chance points. Um, Kemba Walker is starting to play a lot better. Played a lot better of a game in game two. He had been struggling recently with his shot, but he's playing a lot better. So you can always rely on him in the clutch moments. Uh, you, I mean, realistically, anyone in that starting five, you trust to make the big shot at the end of the game. So there's really no problem with that. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. Eric Spolstra has done an incredible job with this Miami Heat team. They've completely shocked everyone. And here they are two games away from getting to the NBA Finals. They're 10-1 and in the playoffs. That's their best in franchise history, even in the D-Wade-LeBron era, where they went 9-2 and to start the postseason. So this team is for real. They're no joke. And if you look at it, they probably have the most complete roster in the NBA. And I mean that they have all aspects of the of the game. Like, you look at the Lakers. I mean, yeah, they don't. the Nuggets, sometimes they don't have the defense. Lakers sometimes don't have the three-point shooting. But the Miami Heat... They have the three-point shooting. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Dre, Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler can sometimes shoot the three-ball, but they have consistent three-point shooters in those, and Goran Dragic. They have the scoring as well with those guys, so they have the offensive end of the ball. And defense, they are unbelievable on defense. They have the perimeter guarding. They have the perimeter defense of Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero's been great on the defensive end. And they have the interior presence in Bam Adebayo. So they have almost, they have almost everything. And that's why they're so hard to beat. Also, they are the true dogs of the NBA, not the Clippers. The Clippers were a bunch of sad puppies. They are the true dogs of the NBA. Jimmy Butler is the true dog of that team. They have the su- He has the superstar potential, I mean, but he doesn't have to go get 40 points a night, which is great. You look at how diverse, I mean, how equal their offensive scoring was in Game 2. Uh, Goran Dragic led the team with 25, but all Miami Heat players contributed in some sort of way. Hero knocked down some big threes. Duncan Robinson started out the game hot. So it's really, it's it's so tough for any team to defend because it's pick your poison. Like, any of those guys can take that last second shot to win the game. It's kind of the same with the Boston, and that's what I like about this series. That there's so many, that their offenses are so, so balanced when it comes to scoring. And the defense is there. They're actually playing defense in this bubble, which is great to see. So, do I think Boston's going to win game three. I just think that they're going to come out highly motivated um, I think it'll be a close game again. I think Miami's going to somehow find a way to get back in it. 
but I do feel like that the Boston Celtics are going to win game three. I think they know that this is their season because down 3-0, I know you might be the best team in NBA history, but down 3-0, you're in, you're, if you're, even if you're the best team in NBA history, you're still most likely going to lose that series down 3-0. So for that reason, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics to come out and win game three, make this a series, get back in it. Now, if they win this game, I do think they still win this series in seven games. That is my... um. I do think that they're able to rebound in Game 4 probably as well. So, this is going to be a really important game. This can decide. This game here, Game 3, can decide who goes to the NBA Finals from the Eastern Conference. But, for that, but I got Boston. But again, it can go either way. We'll see what Miami comes out with. Uh, we'll see the adjustments Brad, Steven makes, Brad Stevens makes two incredible coaches. Mine's going at it. So, now, let's move on to the NFL. Week 2 continues tomorrow with the second... Second day of football on Sunday. Uh, the Browns and Bengals kicked off the seat, uh, week two on Thursday night with a good uh, good Browns win, 35-30. Uh, Mr. Mr. Overrated Baker Mayfield looked, prob- looked pretty good. Finally looked like a first overall draft pick, but he did it against a poor defense in the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals also did not give any protection to Joe Burrow, so I... Um, for that reason, so it was... It was a, the scoreline, 35-30, was kind of a bit of bit generous towards the end of the game because that last drive didn't really amount to anything. Even though they scored the Bengals scored in the last drive, they couldn't get the onside kick. But um, I'm still not buying the Cleveland Browns. They did it against the poor defensive team. Um, I mean, the, the, the Bengals were just missing tackles left and right. They have a poor offensive line and a poor secondary and just a poor defense in general. So I'm not going to dub Baker Mayfield. Not I'm going to keep saying Baker Mayfield's overrated until he can do it against a good consistent defense and I'm also going to say that Odell Beckham you go you better con, you better play like that every game there I mean if for for Browns for the Cleveland Browns you better play like that if you want to prove that you're an elite receiver and your whole career is not just based off that one incredible catch you better continue to play like that or they're quickly going to get in your head or they're or the media is going to get in your head and he's going to get thrown off completely so that's what I have to say about that now we're going to preview the Chicago Bears-New York Giants Week 2 showdown. Now, this is a winnable game for the Giants. I know Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears looked good against the Lions, but again, that's against the Lions. The Lions are not great, but neither are the Giants. But I was encouraged with the way the Giants' defense played on Week 1. I think, uh, for the most part, in the first half, they really kept kept the Giants in the game when their offense wasn't going. You know, they re- they had a, probably had a very good chance at winning if Daniel Jones didn't throw that interception inside the red zone, and I know the Bears' defense is good, and Khalil Mack is on that line, but I don't think they're going to be able to do what the Steelers did, because the Steelers absolutely manhandled them. They made it look like the Giants didn't have any offensive line whatsoever. Um, Saquon Barkley only had seven rushing yards, and after Tiki Barber's criticism on on him, saying he's not a good uh, blocker, I think he's going to come out with a little extra motivation, a chip on his shoulder. You know, ESPN has been talking about the fact that they might trade Saquon. That is not happening. If you think that's happening, you're out of your mind. This is maybe the most talented guy the Giants have picked up in the draft. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a once-in-a-generational talent, so they're not going to trade him. I mean, that would be stupid. But, um, yeah, I think Saquon's going to have a big day rushing the football. It's going to be tough, though, for the Giants because Khalil Mack is on that is on that defensive line. He's going to tear up the Giants' O-line at some point. I know they're probably going to be bringing the, the double team on him, but still, I mean, it's going to be really tough. But I do have confidence in the Giants. I do think they can win this game. I'll go with another prediction somewhere around like 21, no, 23-20 or something like that in New York. 
Again, it's going to be not, it's not going to be high scoring. I think the Giants, I think both teams are going to have trouble moving the football. The Bears will probably do it a little easier, but I mean, if the Giants want to win, they got to get off to a good start. They got off to a good start versus Pittsburgh. So get Saquon involved early. If even that's not, even though it's not in the run game, get involved in the passing game because he can, he can easily catch for over a hundred yards. So for that, so I'll go with the Giants in week two to improve. I think Mitchell Trubisky, even though he had a good week one, he still got to continue to maintain that level, but we'll see. The Bears did look really good, so I'm just hoping, it's more of a prediction based off hope, but I'm hoping the Giants defense can continue to play well, and I hope Golden Tate is back for week two to be able to make some tough contested, contested catches because Evan Ingram looked all over the place on um, Monday Night Football. He wasn't blocking at all. He, I mean, he's, he's pretty small compared to and not as strong as these other tight ends. He's more of like a wide receiver build, but for that, but I mean, I'm just hoping that he can, can he can somehow find a way. This offensive line, it's going to take a little bit of time to get them to get them playing well and consistent because you know there's a lot of people moving around. There's a rookie and Andrew Thomas there. They didn't have a preseason, but I think the line might just do enough. Daniel Jones looked good besides the two interceptions. He's got to learn to protect that football in the red zone, especially down there. He could have checked it to Saquon on that play where he threw the interception when they had that 19-play drive that didn't amount to anything. That's still a good sign if they can move the football like that. So I'll go with the Giants to beat the Bears in Week 2. It'll be another tough game, and hopefully, hopefully they can move the football. Now, as Week 2 continues, I'm going to pick out my most interesting games of the Week 2 NFL season. So, we're going to start with another NFC East team, the Philadelphia Eagles, who had a stunning, stunning Week 1 loss to the Washington football team, 27-17. Carson Wentz, I believe, was sacked 10 times. Lane Johnson is still injured. I'm not sure if he's back for this game, as they play they play host to... I don't know if they host, but they play the Los Angeles Rams, who beat the Cowboys, who we'll talk about later against their game against the Falcons. Um, so who do I see winning this? I got the Rams, because that Eagles offensive line looks absolutely horrible, and Aaron Donald is going to cause problems, even if you double-team him. He is going to be all over the place for that Eagles, uh, for that Rams team. And also, the Rams looked very good. I know uh, Jared Goff has got something to prove with that huge contract. Sean McVay looked good as a play caller. Um... I think they're going to be a lot better. Robert Woods was the leading receiver for them, uh, but obviously they still have Cooper Cup in the backfield. Malcolm uh, in, out, um, out wide. Malcolm Brown looked good out of the backfield for him. So I think the Rams improve, advance the 2-0 in a very tough division. Um, any, win in, any win for the Rams or any of those teams in that division is going to be imperative to try and stick with the 49ers, who I know are 0-1, but 49ers and Seahawks, mostly. I know the 49ers are 0-1, but they'll probably rebound this week against the Jets. But I'll go with the Rams to win this game over the Eagles. Now, another NFC East team, the Dallas Cowboys, who I said lost to the Rams 20-17 in Week 1. They take on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, under normal circumstances, you'd think this would be an easy win for the Cowboys because they have a they, they have a better team, but their defense and their whole roster are just ravished with injuries. Sean Lee is obviously out. For the first three games, Leighton Vanderush has a broken collarbone, so he's out as well. Um, they have a couple guys. I think they have a couple guys in the offensive line maybe missing. I could be wrong about that, but they are ravished with injuries, and that secondary is weak right now. And Russell and uh, Matt Ryan threw for a whole bunch of yards for Seattle. They had three receivers over 100 yards. Julio Jones, Russell Gage, and Calvin Ridley were all over 100 yards receiving versus the Seahawks. But the Falcons' defense is not any better. 
I mean, they can get they can get good pass rush on you sometimes, but um, it's not it's not their defense is not capable enough from holding a lot of people out of the end zone. So I think it's going to be a very high scoring game. I do think the Cowboys win this one, but I could see both teams going over forty points this game. I could see a forty five forty one sort of scoreline here, but um, I wouldn't be surprised at it because of how weak both defenses are. But I still think the Cowboys win this game. I think Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb, I think CeeDee Lamb, this is where he's going to have his signature breakout game for the Cowboys. Um, they're probably going to bring the early, uh, they're probably going to, most of the attention will be focused on Amari Cooper. Uh, Zeke looked like the old Ezekiel Elliott from week one. He'll probably have a lot of touches on the ball. I'm thinking 25 to 30. Um, but but because of, you know, feed the beast, that new tattoo, but, and uh, there, once you get that run game open up, it makes things so much easier for Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott to use the play action. So, but again, the Falcons, Matt Ryan is a, Matt Ryan can really, Matt Ryan can really light up that team, light up that secondary, the Cowboys. I think they will. I'll go with the Cowboys to win this one 41 to 38. I think we're going to see a lot of yards. If you want to watch a shootout, then go tune into that game on Fox. I know the Cowboys are the favorites. And I think if the Cowboys lose this game, then there's serious questions. Then you start the season 0-2. Remember, they start they went 8-8 eight eight last year, and they blamed Jason Garrett. But if you start 0-2 with your new coach, Mike McCarthy, it'll be tough. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys to win this one. And then the Sunday Night Football game, the New England Patriots versus the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Patriots opened up their... They open up their season, the Cam Newton era, with a win 21-11 over the Miami Dolphins. And the Seahawks destroyed, just rolled over the Falcons. Russell Wilson had four incompletions the whole game. So, where do I see this going? I see Seattle winning this. This will be a real test to tell me where New England is at. Their wide receiving core is still spread too thin besides Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry. Um, they're, they're, I, don't, just don't, I think Cam Newton's really going to have to rely on his legs to try and win this game. You can't do that. You can't rely on the legs too much to be your whole set of offense. I mean, I think I think the Patriots defense, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll give up I think they'll give up tw- in the 20 ranges in points, but I don't think the Patriots are going to put up enough points consistently. So I got the Seahawks to win this game probably by a score of 28 to 20 somewhere around there. I think Russell Wilson has another big efficient day. Um uh, has another big efficient uh, day. I think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have a big day receiving. So Seahawks improved to two and zero. Patriots fall to one and one. But this is going to be a real test to see where the Patriots are. Because yes, you beat the Dolphins, but they started Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's not really that's not really a, an achievement to hold them to eleven points when you have Fitzpatrick who plays for half the team the other times the amount of interceptions he throws. So, but but against a good team like Seattle, who's very well coached and Pete Carroll, this will be a very good. This will be a very very good game to tell us where the Patriots are. If they win this game, then you can maybe start to think of them as a legit playoff team, and maybe if if they force it close. But if they get blown out or something, then it might be time to come back to reality for Patriots fans that maybe you might not be making the playoffs this year. But Either way, it should be a great game in Seattle. I got the Seahawks winning 28-20 final score. Another good game. Another potential maybe two wildcard teams, the Steelers versus the Broncos. Now, like I said, the Steelers' defense is unbelievable, and for that reason, I'm going to pick them to win this game. They're probably going to win a lot of games based off their defense. Um, they're probably not going to give many points up to the Broncos. I know Drew Locke looks solid. 
but they're missing. Cortland Sutton's probably not going to play week two as well with that shoulder injury. Um, so that, now you're already missing your number one, your number one wide receiver. Melvin Gordon is probably going to be shut down on the ground. I don't think many rushers are going to do much against that Steelers defense. So for that reason, I got Pittsburgh winning. Juju Smith-Schuster looks like the old Juju Smith-Schuster, not the one from last year, because Big Ben Roethlisberger is back and throwing the ball pretty well considering he had that elbow surgery. So that was a good sign for Steelers fans to see that Juju Smith and Ben Roethlisberger, that connection is back in the back back um, for them. And that that's going to be their main thing. Can their offense consistently move the ball and score points? Because you know they're not going to give up many points with that defense. But the question is, when they play divisional games against the Ravens, can they keep Lamar Jackson in check with that defensive line? So, and also, can they score against the Ravens? So it's it's going to be very interesting to see what Pittsburgh does this season. In But I got them winning week two. Final score, um, let's go 24 to 10. I think they only give up 10 points to the Broncos. Uh, not many teams are going to be able to move the football against this, against the Steelers defense. Now, the last game, uh, or the mo- last really interesting, another interesting game I see happening this season, the Washington football team versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Arizona Cardinals looked very good in week one. I know the 49ers are shorthanded, and I know they won't have George Kittle this week, but they still looked really good to beat the 49ers 24-20. You know, we were uh, a lot of people were saying that a win for the for the for the for the Cardinals week one could really put their stamp as a could really put some pressure on that division to know that maybe there's a that maybe that all four teams are capable of winning that division um DeAndre Hopkins looked great 14 catches for 151 yards uh against that a good 49er defense who I and again I don't think they'll have Richard Sherman this weekend against the Jets I think they'll still win but it's gonna be tough uh Washington with a surprise Victory over the Eagles. Their rush, their rushing, their uh, defensive line really played their tails off to sack Carson Wentz ten times. And the Arizona Cardinals do not have a good offensive line. Let's just put it that way. Kyler Murray is going to be running for his life in this game. Expect a lot of quick curl routes to DeAndre Hopkins and a lot of throws out the backfield to Kenyon Drake. But I still have the Cardinals winning with a final score of maybe twenty-three to sixteen. I think by a touchdown. Margin probably maybe even less. I don't know if Dwayne, I don't know if, see, the Cardinals defense is not great, but I don't know how consistently Dwayne Haskins can move the football down the field. He looked good against the, I mean, against the Eagles. I mean, nothing that would knock your socks off, but he did what he needed to do. So um, I don't know if they can move the ball consistently. That defensive line has really gotten great with Chase Young. They've really made the, the, uh, the, uh, Really made it a priority to beef it up, so that'll be good. And again, I like I said, Cardinals offensive line is probably their weakest part of the game. Um, I know Kyler Murray is quick, but he can't be running forever. Um, Carson Wentz is a pretty mobile quarterback, so for to sack him ten times is uh, is pretty pretty good. But Murray's gonna have to get that ball out quickly. I know he's got a cannon of an arm, but don't expect a lot of deep balls, a lot of deep passes over the field. You know, this Washington team is probably gonna be a lot better than uh, people gave him credit for, including myself to start the season, but I do see the Cardinals winning this and, and improving to 2-0 in the season. Now, if they improve to 2-0, that, uh, what, what happens for that division? Um, can the Cardinals win the division? I don't think they'll win the division, but I think that definitely puts their stamp, definitely, you know, gives it makes, gives them a favorite, a favorite, a chance to make a wild card run. I don't see them beating Seattle. Uh, I think, I think San Francisco at full health will probably beat them. 
Uh, they did a good job taking advantage, but a 2-0 start for Kyler Murray and his Cardinals is the ideal position they want to be in right now. And Washington, if they can get a 2-0 start in that and in that horrible NFC East division, you <laughs> you probably you're you you have a pretty good chance at winning the division. I know it's early, but with the way that NFC East plays and you get a 2-0 start with a victory of the team outside the division. Remember, the NFC East had the worst record again had was the worst division went like was the what that w- winning out their division. So they were the one division that couldn't beat teams outside their division. They had a horrible record. Most of their wins came against each other. Most of the Eagles and Cowboys wins came up beating up on the Giants and Reds uh, foot Washington football team. Both two of the Giants wins came up beating up on the Washington football team. So for that reason, any time the NFC East opponent can win outside their division is unbel- is a is a big achievement. So if they if the Washington football team can get a victory over the Arizona Cardinals and not just depend on beating the NFC East. That'd be a real big bonus for them. That's why it was very tough. That's why it was very uh, another reason why the Cowboys lost to the Rams was so was so heartbreaking. Um, and now they got another tough game against the Falcons. So do the Eagles if they can win those games. So very interesting in the week two uh, football. Week two football scene, uh, Monday Night Football will be the Raiders and the Saints. I got the Saints winning. I know Michael Thomas is not playing, but I still don't trust that that Raiders team. Saints win that one by six or seven, by 10 points. Let's go 24-14, somewhere around there. But nevertheless, should be a great week two of the NFL season, and that's all for the podcast. We'll probably have another episode next week around this time, talking week three football and another maybe Giants preview and some NBA and who knows with the MLB. I know the Yankees won last night and they need a win tonight to clinch their playoff spot. So let's hope they've been on a tear lately. So let's hope they can keep that momentum to the playoffs. For now, I'm Rahel Jaswell saying so long.